super excited about this next episode. In episode 53, I sit down with Lori Regalis, the athletic trainer at Talmadge High School. Now for the past six years, Lori has been on the sideline of a field, a mat, or a court, helping our student athletes navigate the physical toll of their chosen sport, but also helping them navigate life in general. Listen to what a few of her current and past athletes have had to say about this extraordinary athletic trainer. Graduate Mia Hurst had this to say, Lori is so much more than an athletic trainer. She provides constant support, enthusiasm, and never misses the opportunity to hype someone up. She treats each and every athlete as if they are her own. She spends countless hours bettering herself and Talmadge Athletics. Talmadge High School is beyond lucky to have Lori. Current senior Zoe Renzel had this to say about her mentor. Lori is one of the most hardworking women I know. She is always looking out for our athletes and she will do whatever she can to make them better. She means so much to me. Lori has helped me get through injuries and I appreciate her so much. And it's also nice to have someone to rant to. My daughter Kelsey spent a lot of time in the training room during her time as a volleyball player. And here's what my daughter had to say. Lori was one of the biggest influences in my life in high school. She not only helped me prepare for the volleyball court, but also talked me through each step of my life. She was both my friend and trainer. Without Lori, high school and athletics would have been a lot harder. She's a strong, fierce, and amazing woman, and I feel very lucky to have her in my life. Our current athletic director, Billy Johnson, sent me this text about Lori. He said, Lori has become one of our own. She goes above and beyond in her duties to make sure our athletes are available and ready for action. We appreciate all that she does to make our coaches' lives easier and our athletes' lives better. As you can tell, Lori is not only an athletic trainer, but she is just a genuinely good person who loves people, and she loves the students at Talmadge High School. I know for sure that you will enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So now, sit back, grab that cup of Crimson Cup coffee, and get to know the ever-wonderful Mrs. Lori Regalis. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Between Two Blue Devils. And I am here on a rainy spring break morning, sitting with one of my good friends, someone who has had a tremendous impact not only on our school, but also on both of my children. So I'll just give you an apology ahead of time. If we start talking about my son, Noah, or my daughter, Kelsey, a little too much, just hit the forward button because we probably will drift there. Uh, But uh, I'm super excited to have our school athletic trainer, Lori Regal, is here with us on a on a rainy morning. Lori, w- welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for making an effort to be here. I know <laughs> things are not easy for a young mother. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a little bit of a rough morning this morning? Yes, yes. My daughter was um, not feeling the rainy day. Let's just put it that way. She woke up on the wrong side of the bed. 
Yeah, weather has a tendency to do that to our kids, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, and just like every high school kid, she doesn't want to go to school. Yeah. So we get that battle every morning. <laughs> no school, no school. Started already? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had this conversation yesterday with uh, with an academic advisor at the University of Akron. We took Noah on a tour out there, um, but we were kind of going through the pros and cons of CCP classes. Yeah. And we told him, you know, my daughter's sophomore and junior year, I think CCP saved our relationship because <laughs> even in high school, and even now, she is not a morning person. She does not like to get up and go to early classes. Mm-hmm. And it was a battle uh, every day, waking her up before she had her license to drive her to school. And she, I don't want to go to school. Just like your daughter. It's like, I don't want to go to school. No school, no school, you know. Yep. And, and CCP, giving her the opportunity to take an online class that first block, um, really saved our relationship. So. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I get it. I was a high school kid once. I'm not a morning person. Thank you to my job now. Yeah. That, but however, having a two-year-old, I am now a morning person. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, coffee. Yep. And uh, yeah, so it's the same struggle. Don't worry. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> I had a, um, a thought this morning. It's funny that you talk about being a morning person. I don't ever recall being a morning person when I was in high school. Uh, I know I dreaded the weekends when I would, uh, my mom would awaken me. By the way, it's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, oh, mom. happy birthday. Yeah, and <laughs> she would awaken me at like 7.30 on a Saturday morning because we had chores to do. Oh, yeah. I, but I don't ever remember like absolutely dreading the mornings. Uh, once I got into parenthood, the mornings came a lot faster. Uh, but now, and this is the thought I had as I was um, driving in this morning, I really like savor my mornings. I love them. I, yeah. Even now during spring break, I'm getting up earlier than everybody else, and it's, I you know I talk about winning the morning a lot, and I I just spend time reading and reflecting. It's not difficult for me anymore to get up, and I know I a lot of that. Like, you know, it comes with age, but well, no, I get that. I think a lot of it's parenthood. Yeah. I really do. I think having her. She's totally changed my outlook on well life in general, but <laughs> never being a morning person. I, w- I wouldn't say I wasn't. Same as you. I mean, I was very active in athletics in high school, so the weekends was the mornings were sports. Mm-hmm. Getting up to do something that you're passionate about is a little different than getting up to go to school. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I get it. <laughs> So you mentioned that your daughter has changed your outlook on life. How how has your outlook changed? She has given me a reason to wake up in the morning. She really has. Like, and I was always that person growing up, always said, I will never have kids. I was adamant. I was never having kids. My sister had my niece and nephew, and I loved them, and I loved holding them, but then I could give them back. Mm-hmm. Or they would go to the bathroom and, oh, here you go. It's your turn. I'm, I'm good. But then I met, you know, or I reconnected with Jason. And something changed. And then all of a sudden, here we are. We have Everly. <laughs> <laughs> and just having her and, like, seeing how she has such a different outlook on everything Nothing bothers – well, I mean, it bothers her, but it's a different kind of bother Mm -hmm. than what we as adults face. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how everything excites her. A water bottle excites a kid. And that's the little stuff that we as adults really just let go by. Mm -hmm. So it's given me that reason to, like, be excited about the little things. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's funny that you would say that. I was uh, reading earlier this week. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was I was reading, but the part that resonated with, with me was uh, the author's emphasis on trying to bring childlike wonder back into the classroom. Yeah. And they were, they were talking about, you know, when a, when a child discovers something or they, they view the world, I mean, they're for the first few years of their life. I mean, it is, everything is intriguing. It's new. It's exciting. It's so, yeah. I mean, having, seeing that and trying Christmas is the best Mm -hmm. living Christmas through the eyes of a child is amazing because they see the lights and they see the just the sheer like oh santa and like (laughs) the joy that it brings to a child it really brings it back for you because i think as you get older that kind of you know it goes away and like you just kind of start going day by day Mm -hmm. and getting through and then all of a sudden you have a child and it's like there's all that imagination and the joy and disney Oh, mm-hmm. Disney's magical now. Yep. So it's great. Yeah. The the example of Christmas, it looking at it through my kids' eyes now, you know, so my, my daughter is nineteen, almost twenty, and Noah's seventeen. And this past Christmas, watching their anticipation, but then also seeing how they longed for those days of childlike wonder as well. Like they kept talking about wanting to recreate it. So they wanted me to decorate the house even more and they wanted more lights on the outside. And and they went, you know, my wife and my daughter went shopping at this place where they found all these Christmas decorations that were uh, at a low cost. And, And it was all in an effort to tap in to that wonder that had existed and trying to recreate it. Yep. And so it does make me think a lot about like where, where do we lose that? You know, I mean, at what point do we lose my, my buddy, Jeff Springer talks about this anticipation. What, why do we lose anticipation? That's been a big word for me recently as well. I've been mm-hmm. really kind of focusing in on that uh, and anticipating what spring break would bring or anticipating what time with my family was going to bring or anticipating the AAU tournament this weekend or or even anticipating the return to school on Monday and seeing all of our kids again and, and fellow staff members but it's just how I don't know I just keep thinking about how do we recreate or kind of tap back into that yeah and, and that's what I try to bring I mean every day I see these kids after school so I see them when they're done but a lot of them are going to play the sport that mm-hmm. they absolutely love. So when they come into my room, I hear it all. <laughs> I hear it all. But I hear the downs and I hear the the struggles that they're facing in life. And I try to bring back that excitement, that childlike wonder of, you know, you're playing the sport. Don't look at don't look for the next game as what's gonna happen. Just go play. Mm-hmm. Just go play. Have fun. That's what we used to do as kids. Go outside. We would play. We would have fun. We didn't care if our buddy beat us. They beat us. Who cares? We had a great time playing. And that's what I try to tell these kids. Like, just go enjoy it because high school goes so fast. Mm -hmm. And you're going to lose all this in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So just enjoy it now while you can. So you're an athletic trainer and a psychologist. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, I'm a team mom. I'm a psychologist. I'm a trainer. I'm a you name it. And that's my role. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's so funny. I know I know my daughter, um, she just cherished those moments that she was in the training room with you. 
uh, sometimes for injury, sometimes just to, to hang out with you and be inspired by you. So See, I, but that makes me feel good because I think as athletic trainers, we kind of take on that role. I mean, coming into this job here at Talmadge, I used I actually went to the church right next to the rec center okay. my whole life. Right. I grew up in Hartville. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I grew up in Hartville. I went to Lake High School. Yeah. But I always went to the Lutheran Church right here next to the rec center. So Talmadge has always had a part of my heart, a small part, but mm-hmm. a part of my heart. And then when I got this job here at the high school, I was like, this will be fun. It'll kind of bring me back. Honestly, to be dead honest, I went into this not expecting to fall in love with what I do Mm -hmm. and these kids. I mean, I wake up every morning excited to come see these kids. Mm -hmm. And not just, you know, the injury aspect of things. Like, that's a very important role for what I do. Sure. But just to see, like, hear from them their excitement of finding a prom dress or their excitement from, hey, they got accepted to college and they're signing. I have never been invited to more signings in my life and it means so much to me. Hmm. Like when these kids call me and they're like, I got accepted to this school. I'm like, that's fantastic. Hmm. So it, it makes me feel more than just an athletic trainer. It makes me feel like part of their life. Sure. I, I love hearing about the community that you've created. You know, we we talk so much about how no matter what role it is that you're in, in order to be effective, you have to be relationship driven, right? Mm-hmm. You have to value the individual in front of you. Uh, you've got to seek to make connection. And and then, you know, on, on my end and in your end, obviously, it's then at that point, then you try to inspire and impact that life. Yeah. And when I do walk into the training room, I remember like having to come in there and shoot kids out. <laughs> Because they're hanging, they're hanging out, and they're lingering, yeah. and they're on the verge of missing practice. Or I might find them down there, you know, during fourth block, a little too early. But they're they're down there because there's this magnetic draw that you have, and and they do they 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 flock to you and they open up to you, and then that allows you to really impact their lives in more ways than one. Oh yeah, so. these kids are great. I mean. We've all been the high school ones. We all know what goes on in high school, and we all know what goes on in a high school kid's mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of the time, it's not just athletics. They have so much more interesting things going on. And for me, I don't want it to be just about athletics and, oh, you're you're injured and blah, blah, blah. I want them to look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. of even if you don't go to college to play sports, sports really shape your life Mm -hmm. they can the team aspect the working together i mean you have to take all those aspects of a team sport quote unquote and apply it to your job Mm -hmm. so i try to get them to look at that as don't focus on it as just being a sport focus on it as being a building block for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. I, i i really appreciate that you know i read recently a book by david brooks called the second mountain and he talks about this transition that you go through where, you know, you first enter into, you know, you graduate high school and now you're in college and now your pursuit is the first mountain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that degree and then I'm going to make bank and I'm going to go on nice vacations and meet, you know, a special someone and, and all of that. But then at some point you start traveling up the second mountain and you realize, you know, those things are fleeting. What's most important is kind of the legacy I leave behind or the, the life lessons that I share and the depth 
and how meaningful the relationships really are. And, and so now, and the reason I bring that up is because over the past couple of years as I've entered into this next stage of my life, not only have I recognized, and for me, it's basketball, right? I love coaching basketball and, then, and teaching, of course, but not only have I realized how important basketball or sport is, not only in teaching, you know, endurance and resiliency on the court, but then using it as a way of applying life lessons. Last night, we had a scrimmage. And we were battling back and forth with this other high school team. And we come down and we tied the, the quarter. And the kids, they scored and then they were just, you know, everyone's cheering because we hit this shot with 25 seconds left. Well, what we didn't do was cover the ball coming down in transition. And we left a guy behind uh, wide open. Who, you know, the ball comes <laughs> over the top and then he goes in and he scores. And then the buzzer rings and we, and we lost yeah. uh, the quarter. And so we talked about not only is it disappointing. You know, I pulled him in. I said, "You guys, we we lost because we let we let our guard down, and we didn't we weren't aware of where that guy was." But then the life application is this: you know, in life, you've always got to have your guard up. Mm -hmm. You've always got to have your head on a swivel and be aware of where the enemy is going to attack you from. Is the enemy going to be laziness, or is it going to be, hey, I'm just going to cut corners here, or am I going to make an unethical decision in the business, and then? then the residual effect just destroys everything, mm -hmm. the hard work that came before it. And so we, we talked about that's the life lesson. Yeah. It's not just wins and losses. It's okay. You become a better version of yourself by using sport or by using uh, other arts and uh, other opportunities that are around to prepare you for real life. Well, so, I think like <clears throat> along that same line too is like making a mistake. Like, I think a lot of the times I see, and I get it, the coaches get upset when you make a simple mistake. Mm -hmm. That's just part of the game. But then I think along those same lines, I actually watched a video last night from Damon John from Shark Tank. Oh, okay. He's wonderful. He's the creator of FUBU. Huh. He's fantastic. If you ever get a chance to listen to him, he's wonderful. And he was talking about making mistakes and everyone's going to make mistakes and it's how you react to those mistakes that's going to shape the rest of your day, your life, your career, you name it. And I look at, I just take high school sports, for example, and I'm like, you know, you make a mistake all the time in high school sports. Same with life. You're going to mm -hmm. make mistakes, but you have to use those mistakes, not as a, a way to get down on yourself, but use it as a lesson. And use, it's what we teach our kids all the time. You're going to make mistakes. How do you react to that mistake? How do you change it the next time? How do you shape that mistake to learn a lesson? And I think that's another aspect of team sports mm -hmm. is applying a mistake mm -hmm. and learning to correct that mistake. Yeah, I, that was along the quote kind of, uh, I'm going to botch it up a little bit, but the quote that I shared with the boys last night was a quote from John Dewey. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, you know, experience isn't the greatest teacher. What you learn from experience is the greatest teacher. Yep. So we, we always talk about the unexamined life not being a life worth living, right? You examine everything to a degree. What what did you do right? What did you do wrong? And what can you do to improve what you did wrong? Yeah. Uh, and then if you walk away from an experience with that mindset, it's not a wasted experience. And I think a lot of times we do lose sight of that. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's good that you're 
preaching that message in the training room with the kids. Well, <laughs> you know, and you think about these kids, these athletes, they come into you at their most vulnerable moments, right? Mm-hmm. They've just suffered, an, <clears throat> excuse me, an injury. And so not only have they <laughs> maybe not performed to their, their expectation or their coach's expectation, but now it's that whole psych- psychological mess where they've got to deal with what's the long-term outcome of this injury. And then you're you're speaking truth into their life. I try. I mean, there is nothing. Perhaps the hardest part of my job is seeing these kids succeed, but then sustain an injury, and having to tell these kids who I've gotten so close to. I almost look at almost every single one of these athletes as my own. Having to look them in the eye and say, "You're done." playing today you're done playing for this week your season is done that's the hardest one Mm -hmm. your season's done having to look at them and say that is awful Mm. it's gut-wrenching but then you come back the next day you know you go home compose yourself come back the next day you look at that same kid and their their outlook's a little different but you look at them and you you guys together put together a goal Mm-hmm. short-term goal and a long-term goal and you say okay by the end of this week I want you to be able to do this so they have something to strive for mm-hmm. a short-term long-term goal obviously is getting them back to playing so you guys just together you work together and you build that strength back and I think that's where a lot of the whole psychological aspect of my job comes in mm-hmm. because that's when trust starts building between myself and these kids. And that to me is important. I have to have these kids trust me. If they don't trust me, they'll never come to see mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, well, okay. That's my that's my goal. Short-term goal is yeah. to build trust in every single one of these kids. That's awesome. <laughs> I you know, when you when you make a a statement like you look at each one of them as your own. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I love these kids. I mean, just like everybody, you're going to have the certain few who test you, kind of <laughs> like my daughter. Um, but I do. I want the absolute best yeah. for every single one of these kids. I mean, just this past football season when we lost our final game, you can ask these football players. I was sobbing. Aww. I was sobbing. Yeah. I mean, seeing these kids heartbreak when they lose breaks me. Sure. I mean, you could hear it in my voice a yeah. little right now. I mean, I just get so, and especially now that I've been here for Mm -hmm. what's going on like six years, I've seen these kids go from freshman year to senior year, and I've seen the growth, not only as an athlete, but the growth as a human being. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like, it's it's powerful to Mm -hmm. see how much these kids change. And I'm like, by the time they get to their senior year, I want nothing but the absolute best for them, like my own kid. Yeah. So I'm there for all their triumphs. I'm there for senior nights. I'm there for, I mean, I've been invited to past athletes' weddings. I've been invited to more graduation parties than I can count. And I'm like, that's amazing. So that to me is I'm truly making an impact on these kids, not just as an athletic trainer, but as a human. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I appreciate that so much. Um, Sorry, I'm taking some notes. <laughs> this is so good. You know, well, when you think about your role, and I, I was going to ask, you know, I was I was curious, how long has it been that you've been here? So I like, think it's been six years, yeah, going on six, 
Six years? Yeah. yeah. So when we look at our athletes who are seniors, so let's use the football team as an example. Uh, some of them, you know, I coached in eighth grade, right? So then you, you meet them at their freshman year, and you look at their, their physical transformation from ninth grade to a senior, you know, and then you are also engaged in kind of the, the emotional maturation process from a freshman <laughs> to a senior, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and then you're also seeing how so many of their family dynamic has changed from freshman to senior. It, it's got to be just really neat to step back and know that you played a part of that. Oh, it's awesome. It really is. And, like, I see the relationships. I can use football, for example, because Mike Hay is an amazing football coach. Mm-hmm. But he's also – I kind of look look up to him because of the impact he has on the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to have that same impact on the kids. So I look at the football team, for example, and every single one of those kids respects Mike Hay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I want that same respect. But the only way you're going to get that respect is to give it. And to build trust. Mm-hmm. So that is my, when a new incoming class of freshmen comes along, I always joke around with the kids and I'm always like, I'm going to scare the freshman class just because I can. So, you know, I'm real tough to begin with. And then I kind of <laughs> lighten up and I'm like, you guys, I'm not that bad. <laughs> but <laughs> but that to me, that's how I approach life. Yeah. You know, you, you just make, you have fun. You got to yeah. have fun. And if you can't have fun at your job and you can't have fun in your life, when can you have fun? Yeah. I mean, you want to <laughs> yeah, do something that you're passionate about, something that, that gets you up in the morning. Yeah. Something that you don't dread. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have the, the background that pretty much every athletic trainer has of the science aspect. And you have an interest in how the human body works. We were just having mm-hmm. this conversation with yeah. Noah. Um, you have that impact of how the human body works. But at the same time, there's such a huge psychological aspect behind it and growing and adapting to these kids. I mean, I've never – I look back at some of these kids and I'm like, I would have never done that in high school. I never acted like that in high school. And then I go home and I'm like, yeah, I totally acted like that in high school. <laughs> there are just our videos to prove it. <laughs> yeah. There's no Snapchat. There's no TikTok. But that's another thing that's funny is these kids made me create a TikTok account. And it's not just the high school kids. I have elementary school kids coming up to me at football games going, hey, I follow you on TikTok. Get out of here. No. So I'm like – you know, to me, that's cool because I'm like, now I'm reaching and I'm impacting the community. Yeah. I'm impacting the younger kids. So when they do come to high school, they see I'm not this scary, mm-hmm. mean monster who just wants to sit them out of practices and games. Yeah. I have a fun side yeah. and they can trust me. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I trust me. I was like, no, I'm not creating a stupid TikTok account. And yet here I am. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I actually created a TikTok account for Between Two Blue Devils. I posted one video, um, but now you're inspiring me to put more on there, and then I'll just have to uh, start following you on TikTok. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I live in Talmadge. I, this community is my life. Yeah. I live here. My daughter is being raised here. She's going to go to school here. I work here. So for me, it's this community is everything. Mm. So there's that that thread that seems to be, you know, the thread or the continuity amongst the majority of the interviews that, that I conduct is that not only do you work in Talmadge City Schools, 
but you are now an invested community member. Mm -hmm. So you moved to Talmadge. Did you move to Talmadge because of your employment here? No, actually. So I grew up in Hartville. I went to Lake, like I said. Jason, my husband, he went to Lake too, but he ended up leaving Lake, Hartville area, his... I might be saying this wrong. I think it was his junior year of high school. Okay. He transferred to Talmadge. Okay. So he's a Talmadge graduate, uh, mm -hmm. 2002. He graduated 2002. And um, so he actually grew up here from then on. Okay. They lived right over toward going toward Acme. I always get the, the street names okay. wrong. The yeah. road going oh, toward too. Acme. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and his whole family's here. Uh, uh, Officer Ickes is actually Jason's cousin. Oh, get out of here, really? Yeah, so okay. we're, we have family here. And um, that kind of brought us back because Jason has such a strong connection to this community. Okay. And so that brought us back. We were planning on coming back to Talmadge. And then when they started building the houses right over behind Dunbar, we liked the area. And then what do you know? Lo and behold, I get a job. And it, it worked out perfect yeah. because I'm five minutes from the school. And I tell the coaches that all the time. I'm like, look, if I'm not here, I think I came in late one night to see Kelsey. You did. You so did. I'm like, if I'm not here, I mean, call me. If I can come in, I will gladly come in. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people who I'm like, you know, my phone shut off as soon as I leave. Mm -hmm. it, no. I've grown so close to these kids that if it's a true injury, I will come in to yeah. see them no matter what time. Well, we, yeah, we've definitely tested that with Kelsey <laughs> and with Noah. I remember a time, um, I think it was a Saturday evening when Noah's knee injuries first started to um, affect him. And I remember you meeting us over there in the field house yep. and checking it out. And at, at, at that time, we thought he had jumper's knee. Yeah. And so you iced him up and, and uh, we went on our way. But that availability, so I, I think it's neat when you talk about, okay, so you're the availability. Mm-hmm which obviously there always has to be parameters around, right? We don't want it to start crossing <laughs> yeah, over Yeah, please don't start calling me time. all the time. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, you have been there when kids have needed you most. Uh, you've got your TikTok going, Ouch. and you're, you know, apparently a celebrity at Tommy <laughs> Elementary now. Uh, but then in the conversations, all of these efforts that you put into building trust, mm -hmm. um, they you just you see kind of the – the external effect of it, you know, uh, I just appreciate that so much because it does help. It helps us as a team, right? Oh, there's the bell. <laughs> uh, it help. It helps us as as the THS team impact lives, mm -hmm. right? And it's another safe spot for a segment of our kids to go to and know that they're not going to be looked down upon that oh, they're no. going to be seen valued and heard mm -hmm. and, and i and i thank you so much for that so you made mention way earlier that <laughs> you and jason reconnected yes is there a story there <laughs> uh no i mean kind of okay so jason and i grew up together in hartville we shared a mutual best friend okay so you is, knew each other way back then we knew each other okay. way back then right. he was we didn't hang out with the same group of people. Yeah. So I was very active. He was very active in athletics. So that, we have a connection with that. He was a standout baseball player. Okay. I played softball and basketball. So okay. the athletic aspect of things brought us, you know, we were friends. Okay. But then from there, I was a drummer. I was in band. So okay. th 
that kind of made me the quote unquote, I guess you would say band nerd. <laughs> the back when I was in high school, I don't know what what they say now, but back when I was in high school, I was a band nerd. So I had that group of friends. Jason had his own group of friends, but together we had one mutual friend. So that kind of kept us connected. We never really talked or hung out. We only kind of hung out, I guess, when we were all hanging out yeah. as friends. So years went by. I mean, we lost connection. We were still friends on Facebook, yeah. social media. And I was training for a marathon. Like, I'm always training for a marathon. And he had posted something on Facebook about running. And out of the blue, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I'm running 11 miles today if you'd like to join me. And he was like, I'm not running 11 miles, but I'll meet you for dinner. Oh. Yeah. So we reconnected. Okay. And then here we are. Now we're married with Everly. (laughs) And how long have you been married? We have been married since 2017. Okay. So... That's that's a great story. It's yeah, it's and it's crazy because my mom's story is the same thing. My stepdad and her were high school. They weren't high school sweethearts, but they knew each other. They mm. were friends growing up. Now they're married. So it's it's weird how it works out. Oh. Yeah, but good old social media. There are some positives <laughs> to social media. There are some, but I'm going to say there's not a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's some, I guess. Well, you kind of get you kind of get a, a feel for what I have to deal with on a daily basis because I, I I gotta believe I can't confirm this, but you, you probably could that much of your conversation that you have with your athletes down there center around something that was posted or or oh yes something sent, you know put on Snapchat or whatever. Oh yes, I hear it all the time. I don't just hear it; I see it. Yeah. I see, it, and I make fun of them. All the time. It's the girls more than the guys. Mm. But I see them holding their hands up and making those stupid duck faces into their phones. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, Snapchat. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Or I see them, like, holding their phone down and taking a picture up their nose. And I'm like, why are you sending that picture on Snapchat? Oh, Oh, don't worry. It's on my private story. It's fine. Nobody's. Or they take a random picture, like, of the floor. And I'm like, who wants to see the floor? And I guess that's where I'm aging myself because I'm like, this is stupid. What yeah. are you doing? Well, but it's, they love it. it well, <laughs> it, it, it certainly has created a unique uh, vernacular now. You know, I, I remember the first conversation I had, I'm like writing all these, okay, what does it mean to be, you know, this and that? And now, now when a kid has a conversation, I don't think twice about all of the – uses or the things that go on with social media and the effect it has on them emotionally mm-hmm. right and so like when you're unadded or you're blocked or you know left on red and, and all this other stuff or just the uses of snapchat it's it's a whole new ball <laughs> oh, game so snapchat. <laughs> so you went to lake you yes. played basketball and softball yes all right and then you it sounds like you stayed local then for college I went to Mount Union. You went to Mount so, Union? So, yes. I stayed fairly local. Um, my freshman year – or no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I was planning on living at home and just commuting, but I went to in uh, orientation day, yeah. and I fell in love. Fell in love with the campus, the community, and I told my mom that night, I said, I want to live on campus, which, hello, that's a big shocker. I didn't realize it at the time, yeah. but now I do. So um, – <clears throat> 
we ended up I, I actually stayed on campus and I was there all four years I was there when it was a college now it's the university <laughs> but <laughs> I'm aging myself again but um oh yeah I love Mount Union I have a very strong connection with Mount Union so I when I was a student and athletic trainer there I was able to I experienced so much I went to the Stag Bowl with the football team, so we got to travel with them. Yeah. I have a championship ring oh, wow. from them because they won that year. So I've seen coaches get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's it's amazing what I've been able to wow. experience there. What a great so then, what, what a great experience. So you go to Mount Union, mm-hmm. and you, what's the official title of your degree? athletic trainer? Athletic trainer. So when I was. <laughs> When I was in school, athletic training was a bachelor's degree. Um, They have recently moved away from that. Now athletic training is a master's Mm -hmm. degree. I learned that yesterday. Yes. So when I went there, I have my major is athletic training, and my minor is exercise science and health. So I'm a double minor. Um, Being as I didn't really need my master's degree at the time, I was more interested in just getting to work Mm -hmm. and trying to pay back student loans. (laughs) So... I started from Mount Union. I went and I worked come like small jobs here or there, but I was burnt out with covering events mm-hmm. because I had to cover so much as a student athletic trainer mm-hmm. at college that I was burnt out. I, I just wanted to get into an office setting, have a normal job, and I did. Um, I actually landed a job at Omni Orthopedics in Canton working for Dr. Melissa Bickett, who's an orthopedic surgeon. And I was kind of like a medical assistant, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, to her. But I got to sit in on surgeries. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got that aspect of health and seeing surgeries and seeing her repair ACLs and meniscus mm. and all that. And then this job opened up. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to get back out on the field. Mm-hmm. I want to be out in the game and like outside and see sunlight. And I guess some snow and some rain sometimes. But so then here I am. Wow. Yeah. So that that's okay. That's a, it's a rather short journey from, from there to here. How long? How yeah. many years were you with that doctor then? I was with her. Well, before that, I had small jobs. So okay. I worked in physical therapy at Spectrum Orthopedics in Canton. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like a assistant. I can't say a PTA because I wasn't. But I was kind of like a helper okay with the physical therapy department and then I got that job with her so it was it's been a decent journey I worked with spectrum for like six years and then I worked with dr. Bickett for four or five years so and then I came here but now that I'm here I absolutely love I love it I love being able to go cover the events I know I complain these kids they'll tell you if it's raining I am like, no, I don't want to cover. Yeah. It's raining. But I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it certainly shows. I mean, I remember one game this uh, this past football season. You're <laughs> running around on your little gator, and it was miserable weather, and I had to cover it. I'm like, I don't want to be here. It's too cold. Want... But here you are running around with your smile on your face and, you know, doing this and doing that and obviously, you know, throwing a kid on the gator with you and taking off. I mean, it, it's clear yeah. that. That you enjoy what it is that you do what what drew you to athletic training so i had an athletic trainer in high school her name was rudy and back in high school when i was in high school in 2002 era female athletic trainers were not popular 
So along comes Rudy. She's our athletic trainer at high school at Lake. And I did the same thing that these high school kids do to me. I would go to her room. I would sit. She knew everything and anything, I'm sure, about my life. And hearing how she would talk to me has driven how I talk to these kids. She was my inspiration. She went through my grandfather passing away. She went through some of the hardest aspects of my Hmm. athletic career and my high school life. And I'm sure if my mom is listening, she has no clue. (laughs) (laughs) But I look toward Rudy as a mentor. Wow. So, and seeing how she affected me kind of gave me that drive to, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to, one, watch sports, because I absolutely love sports. Mm -hmm. Um, Watch sports, but also connect on a different level. Wow. I love that. The role of a of a mentor and um, does does Rudy know I don't think she, she does she ended up leaving my I think it was my junior year and we got somebody new and I wasn't so close to him I don't mm. even know his name to be mm. honest with you but um I wasn't one of those ones who was always injured so I wasn't always going into the athletic training room for mm-hmm. an injury so I didn't really know him wow. but I would constantly go in and just talk to Rudy I I love thinking about that where you know, this woman pours into you and then inspires you to become an athletic trainer and mm-hmm. to do the same thing. Yep. Right. It's it's neat to reflect back and find find, you know, purpose behind the, the mentorship. Yep. And then that. after I knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer, I would say probably my biggest mentor throughout all of this was a gentleman named Dan Gorman and he was a teacher at Mount Union. He was one of my professors and he was our director of athletic training. Um, I went through all four years with Dan and he was like a father figure to me. So my parents divorced. I never really had like a true father figure. So Mm. I leaned toward Dan. Um, you know, him and I, we were all so close with him come to find, he ended up actually passing away. I don't know if you remember the story. It was years ago. He was riding with the wrestling team to a tournament and he ended up, it was like a snowy night and a snow plow actually ended up hitting the Mount Union bus. And the plow part hit right where Dan was sitting. Oh, and it ended up killing him. So losing him was absolutely awful. But losing him was almost kind of like a blessing because we learned so much now. We've learned from his kids. His kids have put out books of like, quotes from him and like little things from him that I use in my daily life. Really? Yeah. So I'll have to look some of those up. Yeah. I, I'll actually, I'll bring the book in. You can see it. So it's, it's really neat. I mean, he's seeing how he raised his family and seeing how he, he just touched so many people mm. and seeing that, like I only saw a small part of it because of me. Mm-hmm. But now looking at the Facebook page for him, and it's, I mean, we're talking like five to 700, maybe even more people whose lives he's impacted. Mm. And I'm like, that's huge. I want to do that. Mm. I want to hit every single one of these kids and be a part of every single one of their life. (laughs) Wow. I I mean, I love that. I love hearing that. You know, when when you think about how, how special it is to get have first of all you have insight into his life because you you're you're mentored by him in the AT world and you're inspired by him 
But then to get a picture into what he was like as a father and as as you know, kind of a coach and a, as as a person of inspiration, uh, and now you have that in in the form of a book. I mean, his legacy is going to live forever. Yep. I mean, that book's going to be out there forever, and his words of wisdom and his yep. life stories are going to be impacting lives. And then just to hear how it's inspiring you. Well, even uh, today, I sign off on my emails with respectfully, and that's he always signed off his emails very respectfully, and I'm like, you know what? I'm I like that. I'm going to use that. Wow. So, yeah, that's how I sign off on my emails if you ever get an email from me. <laughs> wow. That is, that's just even even in the simplest of forms, you, mm-hmm. you know, people can inspire others. Yep. So that that's pretty cool. So you, um, you know, six years as an athletic trainer here at Talmadge High School, and you, you've seen a lot of kids, you've worked <laughs> through a lot of injuries. I mean, what is – you? you pretty much alluded to this it's those relationships but I mean can you think of uh, what it is that just inspires you the most as a as a Talmadge high school athletic trainer what inspires me the most seeing these kids succeed honestly I know I say I mean these kids they're gonna listen some of them might listen to this and they're gonna be like oh Lori but this is the stuff that these kids don't know because they only see a small part of me and they mm-hmm. only hear a small part of me mm-hmm. but they don't know how much they impact me like it's not just me trying to impact them they inspire me daily to want to do my best to want to succeed to want to be there for them mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing like even if there's a day that I'm sick and I'm like oh, I really don't know if I can go in there today knowing that these kids would be upset or down if they don't see me drives me to be in here. Hmm. So I think for me, it's seeing them succeed and knowing that I'm helping them mm-hmm. toward that success. Plus on top, not just in high school, seeing them succeed outside of high school is huge. Mm-hmm. All these kids, I tell them all the time. I'm like, when you graduate, please don't forget me. Please keep <laughs> in touch. Some of them have, some of them haven't, sure. but like some of them I still follow on Twitter. Yes, I'm on Twitter. Um, and seeing them succeed not only in athletics but in life mm-hmm. makes me ecstatic. Hmm. It inspires me to be an even better version of myself. And it inspires me to, to reach out to just one more kid and mm-hmm. see if I can affect them. Yeah, I know um, I know how serious you are about that and, and showing up. Uh, I mean, I just look at both Kelsey and Noah with their injuries, how uh, when you weren't sure what they were – I would walk back there, and and this is like, I see this with all the other athletes too. You're on the computer doing research <laughs> that's injury specific. You know, you're trying to model lifelong learning for your kids. Like you're currently taking classes, aren't you? Yes, I'm going back for my master's degree um, in exercise physiology. So it's the same, I'm still staying in sports health. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to further my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to not only further, but like expand my knowledge and try to reach out, how can I how can I tweak this person's nutrition plan to try to prevent this injury mm-hmm. or vice versa? So I'm giving myself more of a background of mm-hmm. how can I help these kids that much more? Because, I mean, to me, it, seeing them succeed in life is everything. Seeing Everly succeed in life mm-hmm. is everything. So, yeah. Well, you're, you're modeling lifelong learning and you're – you're pouring into their basic needs, right? I mean, food, uh, uh, nutrition, exercise. These are these are things that kids need help 
and understanding. And especially now, I mean, it just seems like the spike in, in disease and the spike and, and just like physical effects of just poor nutrition mm-hmm. are, it, it's everywhere. Everywhere. And it's causing mental health issues as well. You know, I, the quote that my kids get tired of me talking about is, Hippocrates, you know, let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. And it's like, what are you consuming physically? You know, we talk all the time about what, you know, what are you consuming? uh, You know, what's feeding your mind? uh, And what comes in is going to come out. But then also like physically, what are you, what are you consuming that's going to help you function at your peak and become the best version of yourself? And now, I mean, kids are just, and adults. I mean, we're just oh, yeah. consuming stuff that has no nutritional value whatsoever. Yeah, no. But I think a lot of it is it's just readily available. Mm-hmm. And there is moderation. I'm not saying yeah. don't go out and eat a Big Mac. And I tell these kids this too. I'm like, I'm not telling you don't go out and eat that Chipotle bowl or whatever. Eat it, but don't eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, drinking pop. and. Yeah. The coaches are guilty of this, and they will, they will, they give me such a hard time about it. But the energy drinks, yeah, <laughs> and the kids know I am a very, very, mm, I am not a fan of energy drinks. But mm. you know, in moderation. I mean, look, I'm sitting here drinking a, a monster coffee right. as we speak. <laughs> well, moderation is key. <laughs> so I, you know, my biggest takeaway from the past sixty seconds of our conversation <laughs> is that I should not feel guilty about eating a Big Mac at lunch because Big Mac, I mean, Big Macs were responsible for not the freshman 15, but like the freshman 30 Oh yeah. when I was in college, you know, my freshman year. And I had, you know, I could just go to McDonald's. I was, it was always Big Mac. Yeah. But your, your metabolism's high. <laughs> I remember in high school before softball games, I would slam down two Wendy's doubles, not one, <laughs> two, not a care in the world. They were the best thing ever. Um, the other day, it's actually kind of funny. I went to Wendy's and I was like, you know what? I want to get a double. I'm going to see what I can do. I couldn't even eat half of it. And I felt sick. (laughs) So yeah, there's that fine line. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Noah last night um, had, he ate a Big Mac last night. He's, I don't think he's ever eaten a Big Mac. And, (laughs) And I came downstairs, I just showered and uh, everyone's sitting at the table eating McDonald's and I didn't order any, you know, and I'm just like, oh, what I wouldn't give to just <laughs> eat the rest of that Big Mac. But I just know, now I know how my body responds if I yeah. consume that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I get it. Well, I, I love that you're, you know, you're coaching kids on injury prevention or you're helping them, you know, try to recover from injury. You're coaching them on, on nutrition. You're coaching them on life. Uh, your, your job entails so much more than I think what the you know the, the community thinks that it does. When they hear trainer, they think, okay, well, you're just taping ankles and fingers and, and that, and yet it's so much more. Well, that's been, that's been an ongoing issue with mm-hmm. athletic trainers in general. Um, people don't, I think, quite understand the value that we bring. I mean, we assess concussion. We're the first people to see these individuals i can't even say kids because mm-hmm. i mean you look at what happened with the nfl mm-hmm. and damar hamlin mm-hmm. going down we're often the first people there mm-hmm. so if you start taking athletic trainers out of schools and off sidelines and you name it you're 
setting yourself up for catastrophe. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. If that athletic trainer wasn't there, there could have been a far worse outcome mm-hmm. for DeMar Hamlin. So I think for us, and we just, we're still, this is the last day of National Athletic Training Month, actually. Oh. Um, yeah. March is National Athletic Training Month. <laughs> and well, I'm going to ask Siri to remind me that forever. <laughs> for the- <laughs> um, And I think that's just collectively in the past years I've seen athletic trainers, we're just trying to advocate of this is what we do. You know, we're not just here to hand out ice and Band-Aids and tape an ankle there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes than standing on a sideline watching a football game mm-hmm. or sitting on the the sideline watching a basketball game. There's so much more behind it that people don't understand because people don't see it. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I just want to get out there that the impact that we have is far greater than just handing out ice, mm-hmm. handing out Band-Aids. I mean, yeah, we do that. And yes, we're there. But when... When I see a kid go down on that football field, my stomach drops Mm -hmm. because the last thing I want is a kid to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And at that moment is when a big part of me changes because I see that kid go down and I'm like, here we go. Let's talk about that for a moment because I've seen you in multiple situations and and we're going to talk here in a moment about a near catastrophe that we were able to avoid because of your presence. But I've also seen you with like major leg injuries. I think, you know, a couple years ago we had young men, you know, breaking their femur, um, you know, I, but then what I, what I see is, you know, it happens and you immediately <laughs> take off. And I know in your mind it's probably moving in slow motion where like, you know, there's that fear and then there's that, the reaction. But, you know, what, what goes through your mind? To, how do you prep yourself for that? I really don't think there's prep. I I mean, my whole college career, since I started in athletic training, we are taught treat every situation as an emergency situation. And I think that's where we differ from, and I know all the coaches have first aid and CPR training, but that's where we differ. Every situation, no matter what, even if it's a kid coming to me on the sideline saying my finger hurts Mm -hmm. in my head, that's an emergency situation. So that kind of keeps us calm Mm -hmm. and present in the moment so when I see a kid go down on any court sideline whatever in my head first thing I'm doing is saying okay visually what do I see do I see a deformity do I see blood do I see are they breathing Mm -hmm. I mean that's a big thing are they moving because if they're not moving instantly then I'm like okay maybe it's a neck back Mm -hmm. worse injury then when I get out to them is when the questions start Mm-hmm. Half the time they don't talk to me, but I'm like, listen, I'll yell at them. I'm like, you guys have to talk to me because mm-hmm. I don't, I can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. So then I, I kind of assess what's going on. If it's a major injury, I go plan B. Mm-hmm. If it's a minor injury, it's plan A. So I think from, I mean, we have such a thorough background in it could be this, it could be this, it could be that. I mean, it mm-hmm. could be so many things that my mind is going a mile a minute. Yeah. But as soon as I see that kid go down, instantly, it's, here we go. It's and pure adrenaline, You right? just, yeah, and you just, I mean, I don't know, it's got to be just how I've been taught. Mm-hmm. But you just go, and mm-hmm. you just let your body take over, like, 
that near catastrophe that we almost had. I yeah. mean, never in my life did I expect that I would be put in that situation. Never. You're yeah. never planning to be put in a near-death situation. Yeah. And there, the stars aligned that day. I mean, you can ask anybody who was present that day. Mm-hmm. God was there and the stars aligned because mm-hmm. things just fell into place. You want to share with our listeners what happened? So I'm not allowed to name names, yeah. but um, I was here at the high school and I was actually running late <laughs> <laughs> to football practice. And that's one of those situations where... It's, so you weren't supposed to be in the building. I wasn't supposed to be in the building. I was running late, and I kept telling kids that. I'm like, I'm running late. I have to get out to football practice. And football practice at the time was up behind the church mm-hmm. by our softball field. So I wouldn't have even been close. And one of the vo- the volleyball team was in practicing in the gym, and I knew they were in there. One of the volleyball girls ran past my door and saw that I was still in the room, came flying in the door, and she said, somebody's having a, sh- a seizure in the gym. hmm that's that everything's an emergency Mm -hmm. and you go I just bolted in my head in the way in I'm like okay seizure steps here's what we do here's what we do here's what we do as soon as I hit the door to the gym and I saw what was going on I knew it was something else Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sure what but I knew it was something else so the coach was laying next to this young lady and I got up to her and by the time I got up to her she was already blue Mm-hmm. from the nose down mm-hmm. instantly that's where I, and honestly I remember it all but I don't think in my head that I was like step a step b step c it just clicked mm-hmm. it just went it was almost like I was a robot um the all the JV girls were still standing in there and I told the coach the one assistant coach I said get them out of the mm-hmm. gym and I just New. I started performing CPR. Um, I sent the one coach to get, at the time, our um, athletic director was mm-hmm. uh, Mosher. Mr. Mosier. Yeah. So I sent him to get him. Mr. Mosier got the AED. We put the AED on her and ended up shocking her twice hmm. when we were there. So it would shock her. We had to go back to do CPR, shock her, CPR. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like forever. But finally, EMS arrived mm-hmm. and took over. And when EMS arrived, I went out in the hall and I was actually speaking to her mom mm-hmm. and trying to calm her mom down. And at this time, I was still, I think, on adrenaline mm-hmm. because it hadn't sunk in yet exactly what had happened. And they took her. They ended up transporting her. And that right there as an athletic trainer is so scary mm-hmm. because it's – you're left with nothing. Yeah. I, I'm left with, did she survive? Mm-hmm. D- is, sh- is everything okay? You don't know. So I ended up going to football practice, <laughs> which I probably should have just gone home. Hmm. But I actually got in my car and broke down. Mm-hmm. My husband was out of town, so I called him, kind of told him, but there's not much he could really do. Mm-hmm. I called my mom, just lost it. Um, end up going to football practice lost it and by now everyone had seen the ambulance at the high school but nobody knew Mm -hmm. what had happened so I ended up talking to the football coaches and they were like just go home so I ended up going home and that was probably the worst thing I could have done because I sat by myself yep they're thinking yeah so I ended up coming back to the high school um Mr. Mosier was still here 
So I ended up coming back here. I sat with him, and him and I together ended up going to the hospital that evening. Okay. Because we found out that everything was okay. She had survived. Um, but in my head, I just had to see her. I had to see mm-hmm. her and sure. know that she was okay. So we went to Akron Children's, and we we saw her. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this moment. I'm tearing up now. She looked at me, and the nurse looked at me and said, because of you, she's here. Hmm. And yep. to this day, her and I have an extremely close connection. Her family and I have a, a close connection. We're never going to lose that connection. Mm-mm. So wow, that was it. <laughs> wow. It, you know, what's interesting is um, I was down there for the whole thing. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I, I remember seeing, I remember bits and pieces. Yeah. You were down there working out. I was down you? there working out and, and so I popped out and I came into the gym as you were arriving. And I know one part of it that's also, you know, divine intervention is I know when 911 was called that, uh, coach Shadawa was able to call cause he knew he was in there and he knew the one spot in the gym where you could yeah. get reception. Yeah. Right. So when you look at all of these things, I mean, it's no accident that all of these things align themselves the way that they did. Uh, but yeah, I I had put all the kids in the weight room and then I shut that off and then I watched you in action. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, one, the way that you took control and your assertiveness um, was amazing. Like you, you definitely, you know, you took control. You were speaking commands loudly with authority people were listening the second thing that resonated with me was just how violent cpr really is <laughs> it's nothing like what i do on the dummies yeah, back no. here to renew my certification <laughs> i was just like okay this is you know and i and i saw i saw her turn blue you know and then i was holding the doors for the mt when they when they wheeled her out and i just remember you know and and we know the family pretty well as mm-hmm. well you know um and we know the, the past history. And, and so it was very, very traumatic um, to, to witness. And, and so you like literally saved a life. I know. And it's crazy to think that. It really is. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still to this day have people come up to me and they're like, oh, you're the girl who saved so-and-so. Sure. And I'm like, yeah. But like, you, it doesn't set in until like situations like this mm-hmm. where you talk about it. Yeah. Or like you gave me all these these questions to possibly think about and I think the one was what was it like your most difficult situation and the most memorable moment yeah and I'm like well that's kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. because that was the most difficult never in your life as you're taking CPR training you're probably thinking oh here we go okay Mm -hmm. I just got to get this renewed go through it count out baby shark or staying alive whatever in your head never in your life do you think you're gonna actually be put in that situation and not only that, but never in my life did I think it would be a high school kid. Yeah. I mean, and then come to find, I think her mom went through the exact same thing, mm-hmm. was saved by her high school athletic trainer, I think. I'm almost mm. positive. Wow. So I'm like, that's that's kind of weird. <laughs> well, I think it's, it, it's good to hear these stories because, like you said, a lot of people aren't aware. They think that you're just on the sidelines. Maybe it's like a part-time position that you're there and you're doing these things. But you are always available and present, and um, your value is so oftentimes like taken for granted. But here, it proves. I mean, if you could save just one life, yes, it's it's worth having 
an athletic trainer on the sideline, and yet you're here so much more, and you do you do so much more uh, for our for our kids and our community. So so we are uh, we're we're at about an hour. This has actually flown by. <laughs> I'm going to finish with two questions for you. Okay. Uh, is there a question that I haven't asked that you wish I would have asked? Honestly, no, not really. But I have a question for you. All right, what question do you have? Who for me? influenced you the most as an educator and as a human? Hmm. Who has influenced me the most? Well, I um, didn't know it then, but now in retrospect, um, I, I see how they they planted seeds towards becoming a teacher. Um, there were some pretty significant coaches in my life when I was in high school. Uh, one was my basketball coach, uh, and he was also a health teacher, um, Greg McDivitt, and he... He inspired me to want to coach and use coach coaching as, as a way of building relationships and as a way of um, just creating change, right? I just remember there were times in class where he would stop whatever it was that we were doing and he would just kind of focus in on me and whatever the issue I, I had, you know, wanted to talk about or whatever. Or he would challenge me in things that I believed. Yep. And, and we had that kind of a, a relationship. And then he, he would push me and push me and push me at, at, on the basketball court. Another coach was Ben Bellman. Uh, you know, okay. I played soccer, and he was the same, th- the I same didn't know way. You played soccer. Oh yeah, I love soccer. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. I and, figured um, basketball was life. <laughs> yeah, well, basketball was life. And soccer was at first a way of getting in shape for basketball season. <laughs> you know, we didn't have as much available as yeah as, as we have our kids now. And I and I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that you know training and AAU wasn't as popular because uh, soccer really. Uh, created and being under his mentorship, it mm-hmm. just really helped develop me as as a man and as a leader, uh, and you know, and just really kind of solidified, um, you know, my faith. Mm-hmm. and And so he really impacted me. Uh, Dr. Vandermeulen and Dr. Taylor, two other uh, teachers that I had. That um, once I became a teacher, I just wanted to be like them. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to have the the uh, the fire, the passion, the enthusiasm, and the goofiness that they brought to the classroom. Like here are two guys; they're both you know PhDs. They both are uh, really knowledgeable. They're intellectuals, and yet you know they would they would act goofy in the classroom to kind of tear down those walls and build those relationships. And so uh, those two guys, and there there are certainly more, but those are the four that really influenced me as as a. Um, as an aspiring teacher. And, and then I would also tell you that my, my mom and my dad, you know, my mom yeah. is, she's, I, I get my, my personality, I'm very much like my mom okay. in that I, you know, I love to teach. Um, I talk too much. Um, <laughs> you know, we love to tell stories. Uh, we love kids. You know, I, I you know, my mom has really, she is, uh, she is a teacher, you know, but not in like in a school, but she teaches uh, teaches teachers to teach good news clubs and things like that, and so she has really inspired me. And my dad has inspired me to to value um, mm-hmm. 
relationships, you know, he, and to value my wife, like it was, you don't mess with mom. If you mess <laughs> with mom, you're, you're messing with dad. You know, he, <laughs> he showed what it meant to, he, he, he has modeled and continues to model for me what it means to be family first. Mm-hmm. And, and he loves his country. He served for his country, you know, so I've learned just resiliency from him. Here's a guy, he was a high school dropout. And then he went, you know, he, he's, he's, from that point to where he is now, he's a completely different person. Like he's completely transformed his life. He is not the same person. And so I, I draw inspiration from that because my journey has has caused me to, you know, I I sought my identification, you know, in sport and things like that. But then as as life has moved on, I've had to reinvent myself. That's fantastic. And and and, and grow and my father modeled that and continues to model that to this very day. So there's a, there's a whole list. Sorry. We're getting way past our one hour. Isn't it crazy how teachers can influence you? Yeah. Well, and that's the blessing of this calling, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when I look back and I, and we talk so often about the bonus checks of, of teaching. Uh, I think the greatest bonus check is, um, being able to build that relationship and inspire somebody to be better. Yep, be their best self. Yeah, to become their best self, which is what you do yep. on a daily I, basis. I agree. 100%. You're, you're a teacher. You're an educator. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just on different hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you are, as mentioned before, you are a valuable component to this team. Uh, that might be one of my greatest epiphanies in my new role is that I just see how all of these different puzzle pieces come together yep. to make Talmadge High School and Talmadge City Schools a beautiful school system and Talmadge a beautiful community where we're all bringing that passion and that desire to to build relationships, to inspire others, and to help you know people become the best versions of their themselves. Yep. Thanks for I being agree. a part of that. Yeah, no problem. I absolutely love it here. I'm yeah. telling you. I mean, I I don't just see the high school kids. I mean, if, if there's a youth kid, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a youth kid who got injured, I mean, I op- my door's open. Yeah. I'm like, come in and see me. I've seen middle school kids countless times. I used to be over at the middle school, and then when they built the new schools, I don't have a room over mm-hmm. there anymore. So it's kind of tough to get over there, too, because yeah. a lot of the time their events are the same time as yeah. the high school events. But, I mean, I, an injury is an injury in my world. <laughs> I don't care if you're a teacher. You can come in my room. and You better you, be careful what you're, hey, you're uh, putting out there. <laughs> I've seen, trust me when I say I've seen coaches. I've taken care of blisters. Yeah. I've seen teachers come to me and ask me questions about Oh, well, when I was a previous athlete, <laughs> hey, you know what? My door is open, and if it's not open, knock. And if I'm not in there, call me. I mean, my goal in life is to help. That's yeah. why I went into this profession. Yeah. I want to help people. I want to touch people. I want to. I don't want people to suffer through mm-hmm. injuries. Like, an injury is an injury. You yeah. can't prevent that. Yeah. I can't stop these kids from getting hurt, but I can work them through it, and I can get them back to playing. Mm-hmm. Well, your servant leadership is inspiring. Um, I will not be surprised if there's a whole line of community <laughs> members outside your office. <laughs> Should I put your office hours on in the show notes? Maybe I won't do that. But hey, I want to thank you, Lori, for being here. I know it's Thanks. tough on a uh, on a spring break morning to step away from um, things and spend an hour having a conversation. But this has been a beautiful conversation. I appreciate Thanks. it. Oh, 
thank you for having me. This so, has been wonderful. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in. Please remember that everybody has a story, including you, and it's a story that's worth being told. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'm so honored that you spent the last hour with us. I love Lori's story. Here are a few things that stood out to me. I was deeply moved by our chat about childlike wonder. That period of time with my own kids went so fast and I so desperately want to recreate it. And why not? Why can't we keep that sense of wonder with us? This is challenge number one for me. Why not recreate childlike wonder in our lives? I was also inspired by her desire to keep relationships first and to impact lives through relationships. Relationships are fundamental to our existence as humans. We need to have healthy relationships in order for us to grow into the best versions of ourselves. Lastly, I'm walking away from this interview with a renewed passion and understanding for the purpose of having a mentor and for mentoring. I once read that in order to have a fulfilling life, One must be pouring into someone younger than them and being poured into by someone older. I am thankful for the mentors in my life, and I'm thankful for the mentoring that takes place every time I interview someone for the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, could you please do me a favor? Could you rate and review Between Two Blue Devils on whichever platform it is that you listen to? You can also feel free to follow the podcast on TikTok and Instagram now, We're on both platforms, and you can find us at Between Two Blue Devils. And if you have any questions or reflections, please feel free to drop me a DM. I look forward to your feedback. If you'd like to be a guest, let me know. I want you to always remember, everyone has a story, including you, that is worth being shared.